Hello, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Sham. I hope you're doing very well. Happy Friday. I really hope you're doing very well, taking care of yourself and drinking plenty of water. I am back from Kakuma refugee camp in Kenya, where I met the girls last week. My heart is absolutely full. The girls are doing very well. They are growing up, resilient, tenacious, absolutely beautiful young girls. I haven't met them for nearly two years now since COVID-19 started. But I was really proud and honored to see them growing up, speaking well, taking care of themselves. I want to thank all the teachers and of course UNHR for looking after the girls. It is overwhelming to see young girls like this. But we're doing great. I hope you're doing well as well. As I said, we are truly grateful to have you listen and give us your feedback on this podcast. My co-hosts this week are my young friends from Liverpool, the Child Hall Valley Primary School. Oh my goodness, my co-hosts, they are so wonderful. We managed to get hold of a lady called Rachel Brown Finnis, who is the former Everton and England women's goalkeeper at Team GB in 2012. A fabulous woman, really amazing. I was honored to listen to her journey as a sportswoman, both as a coach, as a mentor, helping women and girls all across the world to get into football. Our girls, my co-hosts, did very well. They asked a lot of questions. I am so proud of them. We are all proud to learn from her resilience, strength and courage. We need more women like Rachel out there. I also want to thank all the teachers who have facilitated the process to make sure we get Rachel on the I Am The Code Liverpool podcast. I really hope you enjoy our conversation and I will see you on the other side. Chilwell Valley Primary School. Hi, Chilwell Valley Primary School. Lovely to meet you all. Unfortunately, we've got a Manchester United fan here today, but I am still looking forward to all of your questions and hopefully I can answer all of them. Kenny, are you going to start? Hello, Rachel. My name is Kenny. Welcome to the I Am The Code Liverpool podcast at Chilwell Valley Primary School. We are so excited for the opportunity to speak with you today. Number five of the Sustainable Development Goals is gender equality. How important is it to you for men and women's football to be equal? I think it's important to keep striving for better environments for girls and women's football, where it is now as far as the game's fully professional at the top and elite level. But it's further down all of the stepping stones to to that professional game that still need a lot more help financially as well as empathy and understanding of what's required at the grassroots level. We want every single girl in every single primary school and every single secondary school to have the opportunity to play football. And at the moment, because of government legislation, that's still not a requirement. So you girls playing football at your school is great, but I want that for every single school. I want girls to have exactly the same opportunities as boys because otherwise that's just not fair. And if we start out those demands and those requirements from a young age, then it just becomes normal that girls play football just as it is that boys play football. And that's where I want the sport to end up. 
Rachel, we've made a pledge to Grow Girls Football by providing opportunities for our girls to take part in girls-only football sessions, which have led to me getting a place in MCSS football team. That's a great start. So you're going to be an inspirational leader. You're going to be someone who's going to get other girls involved in football. That's a brilliant idea. I know that the Football Association have put in place a similar projects in certainly in secondary schools where we've got young leaders now setting up girls only football sessions but it's not just teaching them how to play football it's also teaching them the leadership skills so you might want to become a referee you might want to become a social media officer in women's football you might want to become an administrator so that's doing all the scores and uploading things to the internet you know, football is not just about playing and being active on the pitch. It's all of the things that you can do around it. I feel very lucky that the job I do now, I finish football, talking about football, commentating on it, loving watching games and explaining to people about football. You know, that's another job that one of you girls potentially could either inspire someone else to do and become, or you could possibly do yourself. You learn so much from being involved in football. You learn about leadership skills. You learn about working as a team. You learn characteristic skills of like resilience, determination, togetherness. There are so many skills that even if you don't end up playing football, certainly as a career, you learn so many things from being part of a team and growing as a team, winning and losing together. They're life skills and they're so, so important. So that's great that you're taking on that role to inspire lots and lots of girls to get involved in whatever capacity of football that they want to do. Hello, Rachel. I'm Abby. Thank you for giving me time out of your busy schedule. How does it feel to be one of the English football most recognised female players? I feel very proud of where women's football is now. When I started playing, you never saw the England team on the TV. You never saw women's football on TV. And now it's a mainstay. It's shown live every week on Sky Sports and, and BBC Sports. So it's something that you can turn on every weekend and understand that you're going to see women's football as well as men's football. So to be one of the recognised females of having played during those changes, so when they were just purely amateur, so when I finished and played the last five five or six years of my career was fully professional, it makes me feel really proud of being part of that drive to change, to change people's perceptions. And I don't mean people necessarily at the Football Association. I mean mums, dads, grandmas, granddads, aunties, uncles, everybody around us, uh, the general public. I think what people think of women's football now is a lot more positive than what it used to be. Uh, and as I say, my job now beyond football wouldn't have existed 10 years ago. You know, there are now more opportunities for women ex-footballers to become involved in football and not just women's football. You know, I commentate and I am a pundit on men's football as well as women's football because it's football. End of the day, it's football. We know about football, whether you're male or female. And so to be able to be visible for people, young girls, young boys. I've got a daughter and I've got a son and I tell them exactly the same things. You know, I think it's important to educate young boys, young men about equality and about pushing for uh, equal standards, equal opportunities. It's just as important to educate young boys and men as it is to educate young girls and women about it. So I feel really humbled but proud of what I guess I stand for on a week-to-week -week basis when I'm on TV. I know that I'm representing 
females all over the world in pushing for equality and diversity. And so it's a great position to be in. And I do feel that there is more pressure possibly on me as an ex-footballer, being a female, to perform. We're possibly under the microscope a little bit. But you know what? We can deal with that. I like that pressure. I perform under pressure. I think we're quite good at dealing with the pressure. And I think every female that steps into the role that I do understands that a little more than the men, we're under the microscope. People are looking possibly for to for us to trip up. And certainly with social media, people can have their say, whatever they choose to say, whether it's positive or negative. And I don't really pay any heed to social media. I put bits on there, but I certainly don't read a lot of comments about it. I get my feedback from my producers, from the people around me who make judgment calls on my profession, as it were. And they're the people who I take feedback from. Everything else is just noise, as I call it. It's so lovely to hear that. You know, one of the things I was reading yesterday as well is you've been promoting diversity within sport. What does diversity mean to you in football? Well, I think football is really the epitome of diversity. It's played in over 200 countries across the world. Football's for everyone and anyone, whether it's people with disabilities, people who have not, you know, had a great start in life, people from all different races, cultures, ethnicities. I worked for Everton the community for seven years and worked across primary schools, secondary schools, adult education, football with disabilities, football with people with learning difficulties. I worked with footballers in prisons. I worked with a homeless FA and went out to coached homeless women who'd suffered a lot of domestic violence and actually took them out to represent England at the Mexico Homeless World Cup uh, back in 2012. So I've experienced how football can change so many lives for the positive how it gives you a sense of belonging, how it gives you a sense of team. And you can really draw on football for that sense of belonging if you have lost a bit of identity through ever what people have gone through. So I think it can pull people together massively. There's such a a sense of togetherness. Anywhere you land in the world, you can talk about football. And I think that's something that's quite unique. And, you know, the fact that we have representatives from every single part of the world, not just in our Premier League, but in the women's football as well, you can see them. And I think it's wonderful for children and young people of different backgrounds, as I said, ethnicities, race, colour, culture. They can see someone who looks like them and they can hear someone who sounds like them. And I think that's so empowering for young people. Ah, that's beautiful. Our podcast is a classroom. As I said to you earlier when we started, you know, you will be listened to by so many young boys and girls who loves football. And I really hope you and I will go to Africa and, and really play football in the sand of Senegal. But, you know, we're very focused on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And one of the things the United Nations actually promote is sport, right? As you said, the sense of belonging, mental health issues. I can see you are disciplined. You're a strong woman. You're resilient. What can you teach you to our girls? sitting right now listening to you all across the world? I think one thing that I've learned through football but transfers into life is about being in the present. So focus all of your energy on what you can do. Don't worry at all about things that you can't control. The little mantra that I go by is control the controllables. So what that means, girls, is don't worry about what's happened. If you were rubbish at football or you did really poorly in a test, you can think, okay, right, today I can concentrate on preparing better. I can concentrate on doing the best that I can right now, right here, about utilizing the time that you've got. Make sure you use it. You know, if you've got five minutes, what can you do with that time? And don't worry too much about in the future either, because there's certain things that you can put in place 
to ensure that you're almost building your own future. But it's about right here, right now. Not about past, not about future, right now. Girls, over to you. I am like, oof. <laughs> Hello, Rachel. My name's Ruby. I wanted to tell you how much I love football and how happy I am to be part of the podcast today. I really wanted to find out if you're a red or a blue. Okay, well, I am more a blue, absolutely. So I played for Everton for 11 years. And as I said, worked for Everton in the community for seven years, which, which really tied me into what the, the club means to people and the community and the impact that it has. So it's not just about the football, uh, but I did actually grow up in Burnley. And so Burnley are my first team that I support. Now that's tough this season because both teams are down at the bottom. I don't want to be asked whether I want Burnley or Everton to go down because I want both teams to stay up, end of. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sore subject in this city. And I can see you are such an amazing and kind person. How did football shape your entire world? I was going to say it's not just leadership. It shaped who I am as a person, full stop. I started playing football when I was about eight years old. So not from, you know, the get-go. Neither of my parents were interested in football. But we went as a family to go and watch a match at Wembley. So Burnley were at Wembley, uh, the National Stadium. And something about that day, the electric environment, the songs, every sensory experience that you have with kind of a first time of being somewhere so special and with over 100,000 people there as well, that was my spark. And I think once you find your spark, that she's going to navigate you through life or I've only taken the opportunity to reflect on what football has done for me since I've finished playing and I look at kind of who I am and what my morals are and what I'm really passionate about and a lot of that has been shaped through football you know I'm quite a good communicator and being a goalkeeper I had to fine-tune those communication skills to make sure that I was heard and it was very efficient my communication so that's certainly something I've learned I've learned about empathy, and so that's understanding how other people feel, uh, because I work with 22, 23 other girls or women on a daily basis, and every single one of us are different characters. We're different, unique people. We're motivated in different ways, react to situations and scenarios in different ways, and you have to understand that people are different. You have to be a motivator, but you've got to figure out what makes people tick. So that's a, a, a skill that I think I've learned very much control the controllables is something I live by day to day. I've got two relatively young children and there's just some things you can't control, you know, sudden outbursts, sudden things they say. I've learned to dispose of those negatives pretty quickly and think, okay, how can I find a solution? So I'm very much solution orientated. So if I come across a problem, I don't think, oh, this is a problem. I can't do anything. I think, right, what can I do? And then I start to move forwards. I think that's really important. Whatever age you are, it's okay. This is not a problem. I need to find a solution. That's a really good attitude to have. I think also through football, I've had the chance to travel the world. And curiosity and adventure has been a huge kind of driving force for navigating what I've done in my life. I got the chance to go out to America when I was just 15. And if I hadn't have gone there and worked on this goalkeeper camp, I wouldn't have got scouted which meant somebody watched me play and I got offered a chance to get a scholarship to go to university in America. So very much football has given me the sense of adventure, but it's also given me the understanding that you have to take opportunities when they arise. It's not that things just fall into your lap. 
by taking opportunities, new doors open, new things happen. You meet new people who can open new doors. They're all opportunities. And you've got to be proud of yourself. Or one of the final things is that we need to celebrate our successes. When I went to America, you know, Americans generally love telling you how brilliant they are about things. And I took that as a real positive. Our culture, our nation tends to be less comfortable with expressing how good we are at things and less comfortable with celebrating how good we are. And we kind of told to, you know, pipe down or get over yourself. It's, it's kind of a negative. I think it's really important that as much as we reflect on how we could have done things better, we also reflect on how well we've done and how hard we've worked to achieve those things. So sometimes it's really good to give yourself a little pat on the back. It's so true what you said. I'm a French citizen as well. In France, people will hear all the stuff you've done. But in Britain, it's really fascinating. And sometimes we feel embarrassed to actually even say what we have achieved. But if you want these young women and girls right now listening to you to be powerful, go out there, do it. We need to start celebrating, as you said. So I do totally agree with you. If you find your spark, what I mean by spark is there's something that you absolutely love doing. That's the thing that you should think, right, I love doing it. I'm really good at it. And that's why I'm going to continue doing it. If it's something positive, then you can't let anybody stop you doing that because that is something you'll always regret if you never followed that pathway. Football was my spark and I've managed to enjoy and get the most out of what possibly could have, you know, ended up doing nothing if I'd have you know, in those early days when people said, oh, you're a girl, you know, you shouldn't play football or you'll never do anything with football, as my PE teacher said, then maybe I never would have done anything with football. So once you find your spot, what you love doing, what you're really passionate about, what gives you a buzz every single day, then that's what you need to drive and take forward. Girls, over to you. Hello, Rachel. My name is Grace and I've been so excited for the podcast as I love playing football so much. It looks like you have been busy. What has the pandemic taught you? Do you have any tips of resilience you can share with us girls? That's a really good question. I think girls from all over the world will have had some similar but some different experiences. I know from you know my children not being in school how hard that's been for them as well as it's been for families as well as it's been for mums or dads or grown-ups who are looking after children and uh, I think it's taught a lot of people a lot of things but certainly I've in a lot of ways enjoyed the opportunity as I said I'm a solution oriented person so I looked at what okay what are the good things that come from having my children at home all the time uh, what are the good things about you know there being no football for three months therefore no work you know, that was something. And my husband, similarly, he was at home for three months, couldn't work. So neither of us were, were earning a penny. You know, thankfully, we financially, we looked at things and we were going to be OK because we kind of knew within three months things would pick up again. And we took the opportunity to really wind things in. So simplify things. OK, what are the things we can do? OK, we can go out in the garden. OK, what are the things we can do? We can go for walks. The thing that we said to our children was smile at people. I've got a bike that I carry my kids around on. And I said, every single morning on our way to school, we need to wave and smile at people because some people won't see any other faces during this pandemic. Even when we weren't at school, we were cycling around. The simplest and the best thing that you can give to some people are a smile, a good morning and a hello. I think that was really powerful. Like everybody, you couldn't go out to eat. You couldn't go to any type of entertainment places, but you could try and give a little bit of positivity to people. And kindness can go such a long way. So I think that's the biggest thing was a really simple thing 
but about being kind to people because you don't know when you meet someone what that person's been through that day, whether it's a good thing or bad thing, but a smile to people, a wave to people, being kind to somebody can be really powerful. You get lots of social media abuse. How do you keep calm in the era of social media? To be honest, I genuinely don't read much of social media. Most people in my position have agents and I've got an agent and what they do is basically find you work. And my agent tells me all the time that I should put more on social media. I should, you know, market myself. And I said, well, well, why? She said, well, you get more followers. I was like, why do I want more people on social media following me? I said, I've got friends, I've got family, I've got people who love me, I've got people who I love, and that's the important thing to me. So I find it quite hard on social media to really engage with people. And if I'm being honest, most of the people on social media I've had positive things from on the odd time I have looked at it. But I think it's a natural characteristic, but in goalkeeper, it's very important. If you get something negative, you let a goal in, you make a mistake, you hear something that you don't want to hear. I'm very good at just letting it go. It's gone almost instantly. It's been a really helpful way for me to deal with any negative comments, anything that really can kind of lower your energy that can take away from you. Because why let that stick? Why let that bother you when I look around and all the things that I've got, you know, two healthy children, a healthy husband, a job that I absolutely love, you know, they're the things that really matter to me. And so they're the things that I go to. If there's anything that ever tries to take away my energy, then I look at the things that I'm grateful for. And as I said, it's gone instantly. I think resilience is maybe something that I've developed, but I possibly have, have always had. I think football's given me the confidence to keep believing in myself, which helps certainly with resilience. You know that you're doing positive things. So you know that you are conducting yourself in a way that you can be proud of. That's something that I do hold myself to quite high standards um, in, in how I treat people is how I want to be treated. I think it's a very simple but a very effective way of being on a day-to-day basis. And I don't treat anybody any differently. It doesn't matter whether they are the Queen of England or you know a homeless lady that I've worked with previously or any end of the spectrum. I treat everybody with respect because that's how I would want to be treated. Well, we are so proud to have you on this podcast. You know, at I Am The Code, we teach women and girls how to code. You just mentioned earlier something really important that, you know, being a footballer is not just playing football. The thing I want to ask you about your leadership, if you are a goalkeeper, you know, you're taking a lot of weight on your shoulders. Would you mind just sharing with us the critical skills that any single young woman or girl growing up should really cultivate and develop? I think something that's been really important for me is to have a calmness. So, yes, you have to react, which is an instant reaction to certain situations. But if you have the time to think what's happened, breathe and then have a considered outcome, that can sometimes buy you a little bit of time and you'll be happier with what decision you've made if you've taken that time. I'm very much a person who doesn't like conflict, so I don't like to get into an argument or a shouting match. On, on the football pitch, maybe slightly different, um, but that's more of a bit of a game face rather than my natural characteristics, so I'm scary. But I think empathy is a huge one. I think if you take pride in your work, that's a really important thing. If you set your standards, then you're setting the standards for everybody you're wanting to follow you. So setting a really high example And then having that understanding of, okay, I want everybody to be at this level. 
but everybody's going to take a slightly different way to get to that level. So you have to understand what motivates people, how you can get people to really improve, how to drive them, how to motivate them. I'll give you an example from football. My right back, I needed to shout and scream at her to get any sort of reaction from her. My right centre half, I had to go and talk to her, quiet, whisper in her ear, give her some solutions. So not tell her what she'd done wrong, but tell her what I needed her to do. Okay. My left centre half, I wouldn't say anything to her until it was either the ball was out, a player was down injured, and I would go and have a conversation. She, she couldn't compute any information while the game was going live. So she had to have a quiet kind of 10, 15 minutes or a few minutes to be able to take on information. And my left back was almost like a running commentary between me and her during the match. So just a football-based example that each person whether it's in football, whether it's in coding, whether it's in accounting, whether it's becoming a doctor, you have to really consider who that person is. You know, get to know them, get to know what makes them tick, get to know how they're motivated. And you've got to think how you can ask those questions. What kind of questions? Open questions. So they are questions like, Kenny, if I was to ask you, tell me about what's your favourite sport? Football. Okay, so that's a closed question because I get a one-word answer, okay? Next, I'll tell you an open-ended question, all right? Why is football your favourite sport? Football is my favourite sport because it's you need hard work to do it and it's very interesting and it's just fun. Okay, so see, I get a lot more out of you, your answer, with an open-ended question. That could be something that maybe Miss Sevens could uh, help you to understand more with some more examples because they're really important, um, certainly in my job now, but also in everyday life. People sit down and talk and open up when you ask open-ended questions. And that's really important in leadership. Girls and boys in Kakuma, if you are listening to this podcast right now, I am talking to my co-host and an amazing superwoman. Oh my goodness. I know you guys like football. So please listen up, write down everything she's saying to you girls. It is so important. Hopefully one day she will come to Kakuma and meet you. Sport can help young girls with their mental health. Can you tell us the steps we should take to care for ourselves as young women and girls? I'd agree that sport definitely helps with mental health. I think that can be an individual sport, it can be a team sport, but certainly in team sports, if you're going to a training or a practice or a, you know, a lunchtime session or a match or whatever it might be, you're meeting other people. It's an opportunity to talk, to chat to talk about football, to talk about other things. My best friends have come from the years of playing football and I know that they'll be friends for life, not just through a football career, but now there's a few of us are all mums and going through kind of that transition uh, and all the kind of other things that come with growing up and life beyond football. Uh, but certainly for, for young people as well as, as older people, sport can be critical for mental health. It's uh, a chance to meet up with people exercise in itself has huge benefits on the mind not just physical benefits that we know about about getting hot and sweaty and and about getting our heartbeat raised um, they're really really important uh, but just the feeling the good vibes the good feeling that you get it's like Kenny mentioned about why she loves playing football and um, that's you know why we do sport it's because it makes us feel good it puts a smile on our face it's also a chance to let off steam if you've had, you know, a good day, a bad day, a day where something's frustrated you, a day where not everything's quite gone to plan, 
you go out and do some exercise, whether it's walking, cycling, running, playing football, whatever activity it is, I guarantee you'll feel better at the end of it. So there are so many things that you get from exercising, from team sports, from just doing something that you find that you love. I qualified as a PE teacher. And one of the main reasons I wanted to be a PE teacher was because of the life skills and the the enjoyment and opportunity that I'd got from football. And then I got the chance to go to the Olympics in 2012. And I looked around at all the sports on offer. And I thought, as a PE teacher, I wanted to find the next fencer. I wanted to find the next, you know, long jumper or the next diver. Because a lot of times children are not given the opportunity to do the more obscure sports. And how do you know that you're brilliant at archery unless you've picked up a bow and arrow? You don't. So as a PE teacher, I wanted to put on offer as many different sports as possible that I could and opportunities for children to try those because it's about finding your spark. I've talked about that quite a bit. And unless you're presented or you seek out an opportunity to find your spark, you know, that might pass you by. And uh, once you find something that you love doing, it's good for the mind, it's good for the body, and it's something that can last forever. The girls are so smart, really amazing. Girls, you guys are like, ooh. I'm learning a lot from sport and women and collaboration and the sisterhood. I, I love what you talked about, that you have 22 people that you've been working with. It's really fascinating. It reminds me, the girls who are listening to you right now, they're refugees. They're from Burundi, Kinshasa, Somali, South Sudan. They've been through war. They've been through great difficulties. And they're listening to you right now via this podcast. But if you had one thing to say to your younger self, now you are in position of power and influence, what would you say to the youngest person now? Uh, what advice would you give her? Because the girls who are listening to you may not have the opportunity you and I have and many people across the world. That's a good question. I mean, the news at the moment in our country with, with regards to the Ukraine and, and for young children and families and people going through war in the Ukraine, it's it's heartbreaking for us to see and it's hard for me to really walk in the shoes of the young children that you're asking me to advise. So in a lot of ways, removed from, for instance, what are the children at Chilwell Valley, you know, their day-to-day lives. Um, but I think one thing that sport has given me is to never give up hope, is to hold on to the things that you can be true to. I understand about control the controllables is a wonderful mindset to have, is to try and think of each day as a new day, each moment that you're in, take every moment out of it, whether it's you know being on a podcast or whether it's having the opportunity to talk to someone who has been in, in their situation, you know, has, has managed to get out of that situation, managed to bring something good out of the situation that they've been in, is to never, ever give up hope. And I know it's only football, but there's times when the thing that you absolutely love doing is taken away from you. You know, they are the times when you do build up resilience. Um, so as I said, though I've not walked in the shoes of young children, their world is filled with war and for being removed from families. You know, that is that's something that I can't fully empathize with. But the understanding that I have from being across a lot of that, because I do take the opportunity to do that on a very regular basis. It's to always stay true to yourself, never give up hope, and to be as kind as you can to people. The girls love playing football in the sand, in a big desert. You know, it's really hot out there. So I'm really happy that you are on this podcast and, and they are listening to you. And hopefully they will become footballers. I really want to thank you for sharing that empathy, compassion and kindness, which is actually what is really helping them 
move forward at the moment. Girls, uh, any more questions for Rachel? Can you tell us what it's like to commentate on BT Sport sharing and sharing your opinion and experience? It's sometimes a little bit nerve-wracking, but I take the time to pause and think about the question as I'm introducing what I'm about to say, as I'm doing now, to ensure that I have clarity in what I say. And going back to what I was just saying previously, is trusting what you do know. People have put me on that show because they trust that I can articulate a match, I can decipher a match, I can figure out what has gone on in that match, what mistakes have been made, and I can also explain that to the viewer on the TV. So as I say, going back to social media, I don't really pay too much attention to what people might say on social media. They're entitled to their opinions but it's ultimately the producers, the directors, the people basically who hire me on a week-to-week basis, who, because they do hire me on a week-to-week basis, they are happy and comfortable with what I say and what I do. I think if you were to think, you know, big games, say I've commentated on the World Cup and I know that there are over 100 million people listening to those games on occasions. I think if you were to think about 100 million people listening to what you're about to say, that might make you feel nervous. So I think it's important to, if you imagine you can have horses have blinkers on and you can think about all of the different things that are going on, what you need to do is really focus on what your job is right here, right now. And that takes away all of that noise that can distract you from giving a really, really good answer. So I love the commentary. I get focused on it. I'm energized by football. I'm passionate about it. And I love as we said right at the beginning of the podcast, being that face that people can associate with women's football and hopefully a positive role model. Girls, unfortunately, we have to finish this podcast, but the girls have amazing teachers and we are so proud to work with Mrs. Evans and the entire leadership in the Child World Valley School. What do you think about teachers who are giving these amazing opportunities to these young girls? Because eight years from now, you and I will be sitting at the United Nations celebrating the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And the girls will be growing up thinking about this moment they have right now. What would you say to teachers and what can we do to encourage more teachers like Miss Evans to do, give these opportunities to girls, be on the podcast with you? Teachers are providers of opportunities. You know, when they continues to have that enthusiasm to want to do that for their young children in their care, whether that's the early years, foundation, whether it's infants or the juniors, whatever level, like providing opportunities for children to grow and to have new experiences such as this, it's just so, so important. As I said at the beginning, if I'd never had that spark, that moment where I'd seen football, and yes, a favourite of my primary school teachers was uh, Mr Lombard, Uh, unfortunately he's no longer with us but he was the one who gave me the opportunity or allowed me to be the first girl in a boys football at primary school and if he'd never have given me that opportunity and certainly I took that opportunity and ran with it and made the most of that opportunity things would have stopped before they'd even got going in my football career so teachers can change lives it's as simple as that and I loved teaching for the reasons I gave before again, providing opportunities that children might not have outside of the school environment. We have so much power as teachers in a good way to expose children to positive opportunities, expose them to positive role models uh, and experiences that they might not have at home. So they do an amazing life-changing job. And uh, 
you know, to caring, understanding teachers like Miss Sevens uh, are absolute gold dust. Yeah, we are so honored to work with the girls. Anything else you want to ask to Rachel or Rachel, anything you want to ask to the girls? Uh, it's your turn now. Do you think Liverpool are going to win the league? No, 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 no. I've got one final question for you. Uh, so, Kenny, I'll start with you, okay? Is there something that you want to achieve before you leave Chilwell Valley? So, something that I want to achieve is that, like, since when I'm in Chilwell Valley, like, I always want to be kind to you. So, what I want to achieve is that, summertime in here when I'm in school like when I see somebody like sad or has no one to play with like go over to try and find someone to play with or to be kind to them that's what I want to achieve to be as kind to be as like as kind as I can be that's fantastic excellent I love that answer uh Grace can you tell me what's been the best thing so far about your experience at Chilwell Valley the teachers. And what, what particularly about the teachers? Are they Do they have brilliant dress sense? Are they funny? What's great about them? They give you plenty of opportunities to do stuff. Like today, we're on a podcast. It's just, the teachers are just amazing. That's lovely. Abby, what secondary school are you going to? And um, what is there anything that you're really excited or nervous about, about going to big school? I'm going to be going to Gatka. I'm really excited for it because it's a whole new school that I'll get to learn and I'll get to make lots of new friends and do different subjects and new opportunities. Is there anything that any of you are nervous about, about going to secondary school? You know, this is one example of a big change where you're going out of your comfort zone. And that's been a big thing for me during my footballing and my life is about being confident about going out and trying something new, about going somewhere new. And going to secondary school is one of those chances to, to go out of your comfort zone. Has anyone got any things they're a little bit nervous about? I'm nervous about like making new friends and what kind of sports there is. Because I'm going to St Hilda's and I want to play football there. I'm just nervous in case there's not football there. Well, do you know what? If there's not football there, you get Mrs. Evans to give me a call. Have you told Rachel about your coding classes? Yeah, um, Lady Jamey um, brought us um, some iPads that she made and we code on them now. That's amazing. Well done. There's endless ways that you can be using that in sport. And that's a really important thing. You look at like Everton Football Club, any football club or any sports club, they have exactly the same setup as any other industry they've got accountants they have finance departments they have social media departments they have marketing departments so you can find any sort of job whether it's to do with coding as well you can find a job in football if that's your spark you can find a job in football if you're really good at coding and you're really good at football you can find a job in that simple as that well, good luck with your moves to secondary school, girls. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you all. Thank you to Miss Evans and Lady Jamie for setting up this podcast. It's been my pleasure to have been a part of it. Girls, don't be shy. Anything else you want to ask before we go? If you weren't playing football, what would you do? So I loved most sports. I did a lot of swimming. I really enjoyed swimming. And then I didn't want to get up in the morning. So swimming was sort of uh, not going to do that. Uh, I loved playing hockey. I think I liked team sports. They were probably the thing I really enjoyed the most. But actually now, my husband has always loved golf. 
and he's got a job in golf. So we're both very lucky that we both do jobs in an industry that we absolutely adore and we love. And similar to what I did with football, got the chance to travel the world and, and I basically said yes to most opportunities, you know, to travel, play for different teams. I went and played for a team in Iceland uh, for two years, which was an unreal experience. We ran up and down volcanoes for our training there. But similar to what he's doing, he gets to travel the world now with his job. And it was just from saying yes and having the support network to be able to do that was something that we've both been fortunate about. Long story short, I now like golf because it's always played in the sunshine. So I'd be quite happy to uh, pick up golf because that's another way of being able to see the world. I I did want to be a physiotherapist when I was younger, uh, either that or a vet. But I do remember at secondary school when they asked me, what do you want to be? I said I wanted to be a stunt woman. (laughs) (laughs) Also, what would you say to your younger self? I think the key things were maybe to listen to your mum and dad a little bit more. But thankfully, football was their bribery. You know, are you going to get grounded if you don't do this? And then you can't play football on Sunday. Going to get grounded, you can't do this, you can't play. So that was a good for for keeping my discipline. But to my younger self, always have that sense of adventure that if there's an opportunity there take it because you never know where it'll take you sometimes that opportunity leads to nothing but then you'll know it leads to nothing and sometimes that adventure can lead to the best and most life-changing things in the whole world so I'd say to my younger self be brave step out your comfort zone and take those opportunities And what keeps you positive every day? You look beautiful. I think I just have a joy for life. I look outside and, you know, whether the sun's shining or not, you know, I look at things you can do. If it's raining, great, put on a coat. I can still go outside and I can walk around and, you know, we've got a beach right by us. And just being outside, I think, is a big therapy for me. I hate being inside. I feel like I'm a caged animal. So doing anything to be outside, whether it's cycling or walking, being outside is real therapy. I love being around water, which sounds odd, but genuinely being by the sea or doing water sports on the lake. I love adventure. So I guess that's what keeps me positive, keeps me happy. And genuinely, going back to controller controllables, that's what keeps me positive because I'm here, I'm now. And I look at what I can do right now. I don't worry too much about, you know, what happened this morning. Don't worry about too much about what might happen tonight because it might not happen. So I keep all of my energy for the here and now. Simple as that. Like I said, Rachel is a true role model to those girls. I've learned so much actually from her. You know, one of the things I am looking also forward to is maybe playing golf with her and her husband in the near future. I do agree with her that you really need to train yourself to pay less attention to what people say on social media. It's really overwhelming. Try to avoid social media if you can. Spend time reading, writing, looking after yourself. I think that's the most important thing. My learning this week, especially having spent time with the Kakuma girls, is you must recognize that some people are emotionally unavailable. Take care of yourself. You don't have to give too much of yourself because sometimes people just don't know how to take it. So protect your power, protect your heart, protect your love. But also focus in finding a meaning in life. Find your purpose. One of the things I've learned in my experience, in my journey as a woman, is that meaning is also a healing. You have been listening to the I Am The Curve podcast. I'm your host, 
Mariam Jam, happy Friday. What an honor to be on this podcast with you today. I'm on my way to Kigali in Rwanda, but I will speak to you again very, very soon. You know what? Don't forget to breathe in, breathe out, and delay gratification if you can. Don't forget to subscribe to the I Am The Code podcast and listen to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast from. Share the podcast. Sharing is absolutely loving. I'm sure there's somebody out there who can benefit from the I Am The Code podcast. We are a very small team at I Am The Code, totally dedicated to making the world a better place by creating inspiring content for people who want to do better and be better. Like Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. I want to thank my editor, Max, the entire I Am The Code team, fabulous people behind the scenes helping me every single day. Thank you everyone if you're listening. Go out there and transform the world because we are still decoding the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. This is season six and I'm signing off. Thank you so much. Have a lovely Friday and goodbye.